This is the Quantum Biology Podcast, where we break down the practical health applications of this emerging science, starting with healthy light habits and going wherever the quantum superhighway takes us. For the first episode of the QBC Podcast, we're running the introductory talk from the Quantum Biology Summit in 2022. This talk gives a brief overview of how we've come to the point where we're headed into a scientific revolution with the intersection of quantum physics and biology. This episode provides context for the concept of quantum biology and explains why it is such an absolute game-changing discovery when it comes to human health. To go deeper into the science, the summit recordings referenced in this episode are available if you wanna purchase them, Link is in the show notes. They go into a lot of scientific detail. If you're interested, enjoy. Hi, good morning, everybody. My name is Meredith Kelly Oak, and I'm going to be your host for the Quantum Biology Summit. Welcome. It is such an honor to have you all here. Uh, this is the first time that anything like this has happened around this topic, where we've gathered together um, a collection of people who have been studying these principles and working with these principles um, for several years now and have come to a place where they really have such an abundance of groundbreaking wisdom to share about what they've learned about how health and healing really works. Um, before we get started, uh, we're going to jump. We're going to jump right into learning all about quantum biology. But I just want to go over a couple of things to make sure that everybody is good. So you are um, in watching me on something called Streamyard, and on the side of your screen there should be a chat. So if you could say hi in the chat. Uh, I'm gonna say hi back if you wanna just show in and, oh, Ernesto, Molly, Heather, hello, good morning, Angela. So good to see everybody here. Uh, Angela is a past student of the Quantum Biology Collective and Ernesto is too. Um, Maribel, great, Susan, Kiong, thank you. It's so good to see you all. Drop in the chat as well uh, where, you're, where you are right now, where in the world you are, um, where you're living. Um, this is a, a global community. We often have uh, Guernsey Channels UK, Derry, Darren, Dory, hello, Brooke, Kelly, hi Kelly, good to see you, Peter Bort, hi Peter, um, Richard, hello Richard, Celia, Jana, Doug, Lisa, Sandra, hi, love and light to you too, um, John Warner, great to see you, Rachel Gretchen from New Jersey. Oh, you're just across, we're about 10 minutes from New Jersey on this broadcast. Um, it is so fantastic. I'm so um, excited and honored to have everybody coming together around this topic. I really believe that it has the power to change not only our physical health, but a lot of other aspects. Uh, of the world and of ourselves that need health and healing. And the great news is, is that it's also really fun. Um, the practical applications of this science um, are very simple, direct, easy to do, um, and they bring a lot of joy back into people's lives. Um, I personally came to study light and healing because I wasn't feeling so well. Um, and I kept getting the feedback to um, micromanage my food. And to put it mildly, that was not bringing joy to my life. <laughs> um, I have like a bit of a, an ADHD brain. I like 
big concepts. I like to see the big picture. Uh, I don't like details and I don't like having, having to manage tiny little things all the time. Uh, so um, the idea of having to like really manage my food every day and my children's food, it was starting to make me feel a little bit depressed. And when I started to understand the principles of quantum biology, like the whole world just opened up and healing became something that was uh, fun. It required like some habit changes that are not necessarily easy, but it made life, it gave extra joy and extra beauty to life um, in a way that I think, you know, it's harder to find when you're just focused on like what to take and what to eat. Um, so this is like truly a, just a whole new world. Um, one other bit of housekeeping. So we are right now in the main stage. Uh, I'm gonna walk you through the idea of a paradigm shift. And then after that, we're gonna have our first main stage speaker, Carrie Bennett. So all of that happens right here. Then uh, I'll let you know when, after Carrie, we're gonna have a break and we're gonna have some breakout sessions. And that is gonna happen inside of Hopin, where you first checked in. So there's a reception room in there. And then on the left, it says stage, which is where we are now, this is the stage. And then underneath the stage, it says sessions. So when it's time to go to breakout, uh, you're gonna go back to the Hopin reception room and click sessions and choose which breakout session you wanna go into. And so we tried to structure this as much like a live conference as possible. So in a live conference, you have everybody in the big main room hearing the same talk, and then you go out into different smaller rooms um, for topics sort of centered around something of more personal interest to you. So that's what we tried to do today. Um, I kind of wish we could just have like a 12 hour summit and everybody got, be on the main stage, but um, I don't want to be on my laptop that long. I don't want you on your laptop that long. Uh, it gets a little bit crazy. So we, um, we structured it like a real life conference where you have to choose. Um, if you want to get the recordings um, and so you don't miss any of them, they will be available uh, until Monday at noon and then they won't be available anymore. But, uh, but yeah, there's lots going on live. I mean, it's gonna be a, like a really full two days. So if you just wanna be here and be with us live, that is fantastic. Um, and that's what we want to. So I see like so many people are here. All right, good morning, good morning. Good morning from the Ritz Carlton at Lake Ockney in Georgia. Love it. Welcome, Patricia. <laughs> uh, okay, so who, who am I and what, why am I hosting this summit? Well, my background is in uh, media communications. Um, sorry, I forgot to set my timer so we don't, I don't talk for the entire thing. Um, my background is in media communications and executive co coaching. What does that have to do with quantum biology? Nothing. It has nothing to do with quantum biology, but that was the mindset and that was, those are my frameworks for seeing the world and for thinking and where my skills and experience lie. So when I started to study this topic uh, for my own health and healing, what I noticed about it first is that the, the information is quite disorganized because it's so new um, that it becomes very difficult to access, not just for people like me who want, who are you know, patients, but even for practitioners um, who would want to incorporate the protocols into their, into their practice. It's, there, there was no sort of clear path to do that. So the way that my mind works was I 
thought about it in terms of how do we organize this information and find people who have the expertise to share and get them organized in a way that they can share it with the next round of people who are ready to learn. And then you guys can share it with the next round. And in a way, this, this event is like, it's like a gong. We're all particles and we're going to hit the gong today and send out those frequencies into the world of sharing how this all works. Um, and as a coach, one of the things that I help people do is I help them to uh, reach goals or change behaviors or have something happen in their life. I'm an extra support mechanism to make sure that to get the stuff that's in the way out of the way uh, so they can move forward. And so what I came to understand is that when it comes to changing behaviors, there's a few things people need to understand what to do. <laughs> um, they need to understand why to do it. Um, in, you know, and for, that's different for everybody. Like for me, I just needed to, I just need to understand a little bit. I'm like, why, why am I getting up at sunrise? <laughs> oh, okay. Cause the frequencies at light at that time are programming all of my body's processes, including all of my hormones and melatonin. And I'm preparing myself for sleep later that night. Yeah. Okay. I'll get up at sunrise. Right. But like, I needed that information. I don't, I can't explain to you all the mechanisms. Carrie can, our other speakers can, and that's why they're here. So that's sort of, um, you know, for me, that's what I need. For somebody else, they might need more, but we just need a little, a little bit to understand. And then we need a why, right? Why? Because changing our behaviors is uh, a challenge. You know, it's not easy to do. It's much easier to stay in our comfort zone and do what we're doing. And so we need a really strong why underneath the change, right? And so for most of us, it's, it's to feel better because we're here because we don't feel well and the medical system um, can't help us for me, it was because I wasn't sick enough. Like I was too sick to be thoroughly living my life, but I wasn't sick enough to have any of the mainstream doctors know what to do with me. Um, and I think a lot of people are in that space, which is another way, reason that this approach to health is so um, impactful, right? Because it helps us get better before we get sick and change the trajectory of where we're going, right? It's gonna change our path. So as we get older, as we move through the years, our habits are causing us to be healthier. They're not causing us to break down. We're not adding to the stress on our bodies over and over and over. We're able to structure our lives in a way that we're adding to our healing over and over and over. Um, so as I said, I got here because I wasn't feeling well. I had, uh, I had chronic fatigue to the max. Um, I had it a little bit and I uh, went to my doctor and she ran all my labs and she's like, no, they're fine. You're fine. All, it's all good. You know, you're just tired. <laughs> I said, okay. And I went and got pregnant and had a third baby. Um, well, it turns out I wasn't just tired. It turns out I had pretty severe chronic adrenal fatigue, you know, whatever we're calling it these days. Um, and I was living in an environment that was making it worse. And I had a third child. Um, and I, I was so tired and everyone kept telling me it's because I had a baby. And I was like, okay, but this is my third baby. I know the difference between being tired because I didn't get enough sleep and being tired because like I literally, my body, my cells just feel depleted. Like I, it was more of a depletion than a like, oh, I didn't get enough sleep, right? And I'm sure a lot of people know what I'm talking about. I mean, raise your hand if you've coming through some kind of illness because fatigue is often the number one symptom. So if you, you know, go to any of the practitioners or talk to them about what they, what they look for and what they see, fatigue is often the first red flag that there's some kind of under, underlying issue, right? 
and it certainly was for me. So I know a lot of you probably know what know what I'm talking about, right? Like I remember going to a doctor's appointment. I remember to find to get some help with the fatigue. And I remember literally using all of my willpower just to walk down the street. I was like, okay, move your right foot, Meredith. Okay, move your left foot, Meredith. Like it was that bad. Um, and so through, you know, through diet and some lifestyle changes that I did by accident, we moved out of a high rise and into a house where we had a backyard where I started spending more time than I had in the other way. I got a bit better, um, but not enough that I wasn't continuously managing, having to manage my energy. And as I mentioned earlier, um, constantly uh, regulating my food and managing supplements and all that felt like uh, a prison sentence felt like a really difficult way to live the rest of my life. And it wasn't even helping that much. It helped, but not that much. Uh, and that's when I um, found an interview with uh, someone who is a mentor to so many of us, Dr. Jack Cruz. And I started listening to what he had to say about light. And I just, it was one of those moments, I'd actually heard him interviewed before, but I wasn't in a place of desperation. Sometimes we don't hear what we need to hear until our back is up against the wall. And we're just like, whatever it takes, tell me, help me. So that's where I was. And I went back and watched the interview with him again from that place, from the place of like, okay, whatever it takes, I'll do it. Uh, and I heard him talk about light and explain its importance uh, in our life. And I just had that moment where I was like, oh my God, this is it. This is a huge missing piece to my puzzle. And I've you know, come to realize it's a huge missing piece to so many people's puzzle. Um, so you know, it took us a while to get sick and it takes us a while to get better. I'm on the road, but I'm, you know, I've done lots of things, but, but optimizing my light environment, I think, and this is for everybody, right? Like it's, it's fundamental. And how do we talk about light like, how do we talk about optimizing our light environment? Because certainly none of the, I would say, dozen of practitioners that I had seen up until that point, this was back in about 2017, right? I saw mainstream doctors. I saw mainstream generalists, specialists, uh, acupuncturists, nutritionists, alternative energy healing people. Like, I did all the things, and nobody ever talked about light. Nobody ever asked me, how much time do you spend outside? How much time do you spend in front of a screen? What time of day are you doing that? What are your light bulbs like? Um, you know, do you leave your Wi-Fi on all the time? Do you have your cell phone in your bedroom turned on at night? Like nobody ever asked me about any of that. Uh, and yet it wasn't until I looked at that that I was able to get better. And I know so many people on here. I mean, if you've had a, a similar experience, please share in the chat. I know we have lots of new people here, but we have a lot of people who've been on this journey for a while. I saw Angela's in here. Um, she cured her child of chronic eczema um, by managing light. It's a really, Peter Bortz on here. He was, um, he was feeling okay. He wasn't like super sick or anything. And he started working with Nathan, who's um, in one of our breakout sessions today. Uh, and he went from like feeling okay to like feeling better <laughs> in his middle age than he than he did in his youth, right? Like he is just, just like a super energetic, happy person now who goes on big long hikes all the time, and and is an example of how this is so powerful because we can we can really take our lives back, right? Like we're not 
Um, you know, I was talking to someone the other day and, <laughs> okay, it was my mother-in-law and she was like, oh, well, you know, this is that and this person has this and this person has that and, oh, aging is just so awful and hard. And I, I, you know, have full compassion and empathy for people who aren't well. It's very, very difficult to feel well in our modern world. Um, but what I have found is that living in this community and studying this work and learning from the speakers who are coming on through this and learning from all of the experiences of everyone else um, is that like, it can be good. We can be moving towards better and better and better. And we might hit, hit the wall or hit a roadblock or, you know, there are many doors of healing. We might realize like, oh, there's some emotional work I need to do, or, oh, I might need to process that trauma or make peace with that aspect of my childhood or change my food or, you know, there's always going to be lots of little things, lots of little tweaks, but the great good news of quantum biology is that life gets better and our health can get better. There's always new ways to, to discover how to do that. Um, and even if we do end up in a place where, where we're sick, you know, we have lost members of this community to cancer, you know, we can take the best care of our mitochondria possible right now. Um, you know, but sometimes, you know, we can't control everything and I'm not gonna pretend that we can. Um, I had a call a few months ago from our, our member service. Um, um, the phone number of the business is on the bank statements in case anyone ever has a question. Um, and I had a phone call from a woman who was like, yes, I see this charge on my card. I'd like to know what it is. I explained to her that, you know, we were, it was a subscription to, to learn about quantum biology. She said, oh yeah, I remember my husband taking notes on those videos. Um, he just died and I'm, you know, going through all of his affairs. And, uh, you know, it's hard, it's hard. And we can't always, you know, do everything, but we can do a lot. And even if it doesn't, you know, even if we can't fix that mitochondria, um, our quality of life, when we subscribe to the principles of quantum biology, even if we are sick, um, it's so much better, right? Um, it's, it's so much better because there's lots of stories too. I know of two babies coming in the next six months um, from moms who weren't sure that they were gonna be able to do that. Um, and, uh, you know, it took, I think, six months or a year of changing a lot of things around these principles, but now those babies are on the way. Um, so there's just, there's so many stories. I invite you to share them in the chat. And a little bit later today, we're going to have um, a session just for all of you to come in and share. I know we probably won't have time to get to everyone, but, uh, you know, we, we do want to hear from you because your journey matters and we know whether you're just starting or you've had, or you've been on it for a while, you know, you all have lots to share. So, all right, this is the virtual quantum biology summit. And what are we talking about when we say quantum biology? Like, what, is, what does that even mean? And for the quantum biology collective, what it means is, is that we are kind of at a tipping point where the approach to how we understand human biology is going to change fundamentally and drastically, and it's happening right now. And for me, when I first started learning about this, one of the blocks in my mind was, if this were true, 
I would know. I would have heard it. I would have read it. I would have seen it somewhere. What I didn't understand is that because of the internet, we're able to be connected to people like Dr. Cruz, like the speakers that you're going to hear today, who are so far ahead of everybody else that they are going to, they see things and say things that we would have no way of ever hearing if it wasn't for modern technology, which is also causing a lot of harm, but also causing, giving us these opportunities, right? And I didn't understand how big that gap was. Everything that I was exposed to about health and wellness and healing came from people who went to medical school or came from people who went to, um, you know, colleges or institutions, even if they were alternative medicine, they still had uh, a tradition and they still were um, tied to their, to their old paradigms. And what I didn't realize is that it's very, very difficult for those kinds of institutions to change their curriculum, to change their approach, to change what they believe, even as new silent science is piling up even as you know the circadian rhythm guys are winning Nobel prizes, right? It's it's like oh yeah okay we'll we'll stick in some things about circadian rhythm, but we're not fundamentally shifting how we understand human biology because it's just so hard once it's become entrenched in a paradigm, right? And so Max Planck, who is one of the earliest quantum physicists, said science progresses one funeral at a time, right? Meaning we don't change our paradigms. When new information comes, we change our paradigms when the people who believe and practice the old paradigm die and new people who aren't as attached to it come into the world. Again, because of technology, we are able to see those new paradigms before all of, we don't have to wait that long anymore, right? Like when I, I ask all the doctors, how long till this stuff is gonna be in your curriculum? They're like, I don't know if it ever would be, but if it does make it in, it'll probably be another 20 years, right? Like that's big things move slowly. So we're just like a small little group of people, citizen scientists, citizen researchers who are with strong science and medical backgrounds, researching and practicing and getting out ahead of it and saying, hey, this is happening right now. So if you would like to shift paradigms now, go ahead. So the the person who most, uh, who didn't coin, he didn't make up the word paradigm, but he's the one who made it he made it into a famous word, um, a guy called Thomas Kuhn. And he wrote a book called The Structure of Scientific Revolutions. And he, um, I'm gonna vastly simplify what he says, but basically his idea is people, scientists experiment, they try to solve puzzles, they get a certain amount of evidence, that evidence creates a paradigm, okay? So let's say this is the paradigm. The paradigm is our belief framework, our, how we think about things, what we believe to be true. So this, this paradigm could be that um, humans, uh, biology is biochemical, and that's the end of the story. Uh, gen genetic determinism, that's a paradigm, that's the end of the story, right? And so we, as scientists, do their research and look for evidence when they find pieces of evidence that support their paradigm. They're like, oh, look, yes, that's true. Oh, look, you take medicine, it changes your biochemistry and something happens, so it's true. That's true. And they go around collecting evidence to support their paradigm. That's true. That's true. And then some outlier comes along. Someone comes along, you know, in, in 
Newtonian physics, it was the quantum physicists came along and they were like, you know, and some ev they bring up a bunch of evidence that doesn't fit. It's like somebody finds a piece of evidence doesn't fit, doesn't fit the paradigm. There's nothing about this new evidence that this can hold. So what do we do? Hmm, well, that's an anomaly. <laughs> We're just gonna put that over to the side. That was weird, weird anomaly. Here's our paradigm, right? And then another piece of evidence comes along. Something else happens in the world. There's an epidemic of chronic illness or Somebody does a, an experiment that makes everything that we've always believed seem untrue. Doesn't fit. Okay, well, that's still an anomaly. But what happens, right, and this is part of Kuhn's explanation of how things change, when the anomalies, all of these things that don't fit in the old paradigm start to build up, and they start to build up, and all of a sudden, You've got this beautiful paradigm with its, with its little examples, its little pieces of evidence in there. Because it's not like this is totally wrong. It's just not the whole story. But we don't have a story to explain the new stuff. We don't have a story. And this is where people get upset. <laughs> this is kind of where we as humans are not that good, right? There's a lot of us who are like, the new thing. If you believe the whole thing, you're awful and bad. Like it's all the new thing, but what is the new thing? Because most people need a container. They need something to put around these new ideas, They're, right? Because the old ideas are working really well. This is in my textbooks. Maybe I wrote the textbook. <laughs> this is everything I learned in school. This is everything my colleagues learned in school. If I, if I start questioning this, and going with some weird new random thing that's like kind of weird and confusing and doesn't make any sense. Like, I, who am I, right? My whole identity and understanding of the world is tied up in this paradigm that I've been told is true and that has been holding very nicely all the things I believe to be true. And when a patient comes in or something happens in my life that doesn't fit in here, I'm like, eh, your labs are good, you're fine. So what we're trying to do, what we need right now, is a new paradigm. We need a new container that fits all of this new stuff, right? All of this new science. And it's not even new science, right? Like, go back to the ancient Egyptians. They didn't need quantum biology to understand how to live in rhythm with nature. Um, there was heliotherapy being done in Europe in the 19th century. Right, all of the traditional practices in any culture in the world that's not super modern understands, right? Like this isn't new, but medicine kind of took over and the sun became bad and this and that, and we somehow ended up with this gap. And so we have the gap, the old stuff seems like kind of old fashioned and woo woo. We have our paradigm here that really works for us until it doesn't. So we need, in order to make the shift to the next phase, we need a new container to hold all of this new science, to hold all of this new evidence. So in my opinion, we are at what Kuhn would call the crisis point, which is the point when all of these anomalies have built up to the point 
that it is just clear the old paradigm's not working. Like you really can't deny it, right? As Dr. J. Montgomery says, the science at this point is irrefutable. But there's still no container to hold on to that makes sense, right? So my, and this is just me and my theory, okay? My theory is that some very lovely people gave us a container and they are John Joe McFadden and Jim Al-Khalili. And they wrote this book, Life on the Edge, The Coming Age of Quantum Biology. Joe's a biologist, Jim is a quantum physicist. They got together one day and said, what if what I don't know helps you figure out the problems in your discipline and vice versa? And I don't know, I'm not a science historian. I don't know why these disciplines don't talk to each other, but it was this huge, big, radical, revolutionary thing. <laughs> the biologists and the quantum physicists got together. And what they did is they proved that quantum mechanical processes happen inside living systems. If you ask any classically trained quantum physicist, this book came out in 2014, before this book, they would say, no, that's impossible. That's not how it works. There's no quantum processes happening in living beings. It's too like warm and mucky and wet and quantum mechanical processes need cold, dark places to, to happen, like space and things like that. And it's, it was accepted science, right? So what these guys did is they, they won't say they proved it because they're academics. They, they, won't, they won't say it, but I think they did. And I, I, you know, I think most people, most of our speakers here today think that they proved that quantum physics, which is all the weird stuff, right? It's all the like communication and distance and, and, and wavelengths and frequencies and things happening in different places at the same time and all like the super weird stuff. These guys are saying, yeah, that's, that's happening inside of animals and people, right? They, and they proved it with birds. And so these, this work has nothing to do with human health. They don't have, they don't mention the human health applications of their work at all. So it's the, the thinkers who integrated all of this stuff, right? The, the um, you know, there's so much, so much science to support all of this. You've got Nick Lane, Mei-Wen Ho, Robert Becker, John Ott, I mean, Einstein, all the quantum physicists, like the, I could go on all day. There's all of these, all of these pieces, right? Floating out there, giving us little parts of the story. Doug Wallace and his work with proving that mitochondria um, is this, is, is dysfunctional mitochondria is the source of illness, um, not just our genes, especially when it comes to cancer, right? So you have all of these things floating out there, all of this amazing work. Um, but nothing to hold it together. And you have a thinker, and I think Dr. Jack Cruz is one of these people who's given such a great gift to humanity is that he, he studied all of these things and he was able to integrate them into kind of a coherent, practical, uh, practical health application, right? And so we are calling that quantum biology. So everything that you're going to hear today is coming from the point of view of doctors clinicians, health coaches, um, practitioners who approach their work, approach their patients and themselves and their lives from the point of view that we are quantum biologic beings. 
Uh, and this changes everything, right? It changes the entire uh, approach. So this is a practitioner who is gonna, yeah, run, maybe run your labs, you know, but also ask you how much time you spend outside. And things that, you know, as I said earlier, we've all been to so many people who don't even think on that level, right? And if we don't shift to thinking on that level about our health, we're all gonna really suffer because the way our life is, modern life is structured, it will make us sick. It not, it not maybe, but it will. So that is the shift into quantum bio, the quantum biologic paradigm. All right, so I hope that that helped you frame your thinking so that you understand, so that it just like shifted you into, the, into a new place with it. This has been the Quantum Biology Collective Podcast. To find a practitioner who practices from this point of view, visit our directory at quantumbiologycollective.org. If you are a practitioner, definitely take a look at the Applied Quantum Biology Certification, a six-week study of the science of the new human health paradigm and its practical application with your patients and clients. We also love to feature graduates of the program on this very podcast. Until next time, the QBC.